Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 438 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? Still at home. We all exist in our little Zoom squares, just hanging out and not seeing yeah. other human beings. Yeah. Also, in Cleveland, at least, it's the almost end of April, and it's been snowing this week a little bit, which is super cool. I feel like I'd feel happier if the like seasonal depression thing would go away because it's supposed to end in like March but um yeah we are keeping the same thing we always do every uh every Thursday episodes lately we've brought in two people neither of whom have been on the podcast before so first off Regis and Katie hello thank you guys for joining us today hello thanks so much for having us yeah thanks guys yeah we are just Basically going through all of our coworkers and asking them to come and help out. Because as we were joking about before we started recording, uh, getting to the bottom of Jill and I's recommendation list for you. So, Yeah, really. Um, before we get into recommendations, Jill, are there anything you think? I feel like we don't have any like, campaigns that I can think of other than Harry Potter stuff. Actually, I do have one, but it's not campaign related to anything Overdrive is doing. But... We talked about this um, a couple weeks ago um, when it started. Um, we are both raising money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, their Man and Woman of the Year campaign. And because of everything that has been going on, I know our events were canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the last week for us to fundraise. And so we have a link that we will put in the show notes. Um, if you have, you know, like every dollar counts for this kind of thing, literally. So, um, if you are able, we would appreciate donations. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, and um, to remind people, the link that we put in the show notes, because we're both raising money, it just like splits to our two teams, which is very nice. So Correct. don't have to play favorites. Um, oh, here's another fun thing. If you do want to help out some people, if you go to shop.overdrive.com, we launched a apparel website um, that I've been working on for a long, long time. And uh, there's Libby hoodies and there's t-shirts and there's coffee mugs. And if you are a school or a teacher or a student, there's Sora stuff as well. Uh, And 100% of the profits of that go to the ALA to help out librarians and libraries and all sorts of stuff. So um, if you have the means to do either of those two things, please do. We would appreciate it. Okay, let's get to the books. That's what everyone's here for. Uh, we will put all these in the show notes as well, so you don't have to write any of them down. Uh, and we are just going to go in a circle. So I'm going to put Katie on the spot for the first book. All right. Also, I'm wearing my Libby hoodie from shop.overdrive.com, so I can attest to the fact that it is very comfortable. Thumb hole. It has thumb holes. It does have thumb holes, which are like one of my favorite things that I've discovered about hoodies in the last year or so. Oh, yeah. I'm using the thumb holes right now. I know that I'm not on camera, but or but you know. 
so my readings all over the place uh, these days, similar to my feelings. Um, <laughs> so just wanted to put that out there. So I'll start with a fun one. So I feel like sometimes you set aside shows or movies or music to um, that you know you'll be really into, but it's not the right time to get into it. For me, RuPaul's Drag Race has been one of those things. So I found a, a channel where I can watch like every season now. So I've been getting really into that. And so I recently listened to Guru by RuPaul, um, which is a really short book. Um, I listened to it on audio, but it's available in ebook too. And it's narrated by RuPaul, of course, and it basically is him giving a lot of advice about self-care and self-love. Um, so the advice ranges from things like get rid of all the negative people in your life or don't talk to dumb people. And um, my personal favorite um, was don't let the weight of the world flatten your weave. So just a lot of, you know, inspirational things like that that are lighthearted but also positive. Um, the ebook version has a lot of fun pictures too from photo shoots over the years. So, uh, and the intro is... Um, from Jane Fonda, but it's narrated by Michelle Visage. So if you're familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, you probably know who that is. So I definitely recommend that for anyone who's just looking for a little pick-me-up, um, a little bit of a laugh, but also some self-empowerment. That sounds good. Sounds really good. Self-love and like self-care. It feels like a pretty good thing to think about right now. That's yes, awesome. absolutely. Uh, Regis, you want to keep us going? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I feel like uh, during the stay at home order, there's two types of books that I'm getting into. One is like, uh, kind of like Katie said, books that I've been putting off because I just know that they take a lot to read and you have to sort of like dive into the world and they're long. And then my second type is short books. So I'm gonna start with a really short book because I like to read a book in like a day if I can. And uh, I read a lot of poetry. So the first book I want to recommend is uh, uh, A Fortune for Your Disaster by Hanif Abdurraqib, who is a really brilliant writer. He writes uh, poetry and essays. Um, he writes for a lot of uh, music sites like Pitchfork and MTV and stuff. So he writes a lot about pop culture, but he has recently put out another book of poetry. And it's, uh, it's really cool because it's pretty easy to get into. It's not sort of like the Mount Pius poetry where you have to really dig into it. I hate that stuff. Um, so this is like, it has a lot of pop culture references. Um, he talks uh, about a lot of really cool moments that he remembers, but it's all about his recent divorce. So he's tying in moments like, um, like the night that uh, Bernie Mac debuted on Deaf Comedy Jam and using that as a, a reference for like fear, stuff like that. He's, he's talking about Michael Jordan. He's talking about these really cool uh, touch points in, in pop culture history and then bringing it back to his own life and his own experience. And it's neat because the book is, is structured in uh, multiple parts and the parts are based off of, if you guys have ever seen the movie, uh, The Prestige. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's based, his book is structured in the parts of the trick, you know, where it's mm. like, uh, I forget the parts off the top of my head, but it's like the uh, the pledge, the turn, the prestige. Um, and so he treats sort of his heartbreak and his his own divorce as this magic trick where something is 
disappearing and then reappearing at the end. Um, so it's just a really, really cool read. And like I said, it's something that you can definitely knock out in a day. And hopefully you find like a new writer that you really enjoy because he's got a lot of really interesting stuff. His, his essays are, are really cool too. I know um, a few years ago, his book is called They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. Um, and that got a lot of critical acclaim. So um, it's just a cool, cool author and someone to check out if you haven't. Oh, what was the name of that book again? So the book is called uh, A Fortune for Your Disaster. And the author is Hanif, H-A-N-I-F, Abdurraqib. And if you just search Hanif, you'll find yeah. him. I am, I'm borrowing that before we uh, publish this episode. <laughs> Not if I get to it first. It will hopefully, the library has lots of copies. <laughs> it was like, I, I forgot I was on our podcast for a while listening to you describe that. I was just like, oh man, yes, tell me more, Regis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. You're going to like it. And you're going to want to read his other ones too. Awesome. Uh, Jill, you want to keep going? Sure. So um, I have, in my reading habits, which uh, I've now moved into the comfort reads, because I was going through like a, uh, going through a, um, I just was having, I was struggling to get into books. So I have started to read again for like the millionth time, um, The Other Bowling Girl by Philippa Gregory, which is one of those books I've read. I, I really have lost count. Um, and I always, I always like preface this, like I love this book. I have a lot of issues with this book for some of the, um, shall we say, historical liberties she takes um, <laughs> uh, with regards specifically to Anne Boleyn, but it's just, just like trashy historical fiction um, in the best way possible. Um, not historical accurate in a lot of ways, but it's, it's the book that really got me into um, interest about the Tudors. And so it follows Anne and Mary Boleyn, who are sisters and both um, sleep with King Henry. Cause you know, that happens. Um, and of course, Anne's fate is not great. If you know anything about it, <laughs> just, it's not good. She doesn't, it doesn't end well for her. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it's always, you know, I will say this, any book can be read in a day if you're determined enough. And this for me is one of those books where despite the fact that it's like, I don't know how big is it? It's like 600 pages. Um, I can read it very, very quickly um, because it's one of those books I'm very familiar with. It's always super fast paced. And despite how like bad some of the inaccuracies are, I don't really care. And I'm just like zooming through it because it's so good. So yeah. And then I have, there is a sequel to it. Um, I think it's the Boleyn Inheritance, which picks up with um, Henry's fourth wife, I believe. Yes, that's right. Um, Anne of Cleves. Um, so I will probably be reading that next after this. And if you would like to hear Philippa Gregory, she was on episode 368 with us. I interviewed her last summer when we that's were right. traveling. You did. And I forgot to give you my copy of this book. That's right. I forgot that's right. That. that is what happened. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. As yeah, I, Adam, Adam has gotten signed copies of books for me when I have not been able to attend, and this is one I totally forgot about to give it to him, so that's okay. Um, she was one of those people, and I've said this in the past week, she was one of those people that I interviewed and I like, actually felt myself being like, say less words so you don't sound that unintelligent com in comparison to this predator. <laughs> so yeah, she's just a great person. Uh, okay, my first one is called Animal Kind by Emma Locke. 
Um, Emma Locke is really, really popular on Instagram and YouTube. She has a channel called Emzotic. Uh, she is originally from London. She's in the United States now. And I discovered her on Instagram because she's like became a roommate with another person I follow on Instagram. And she is like, since she was 10 years old, she's been heavily involved in the caretaking of animals. Like at the age of 10, she was basically running a pet shop, like a, a reptile lizard shop and like uh, helping for, with conservation efforts and stuff. And um, she's just a crazy, interesting, fun person to, I definitely recommend following her on Instagram. She has this um, black dog. It's a Eurasia, which I had never heard of before I saw it her dog. If you're familiar with um, Samoyeds, like the big white fluffy dogs, Eurasias are just like black versions of that. They look amazing. But she wrote this book called Animal Kind. And it's all of these different um, true stories of things that like these animal companionships that have happened between human beings and animals. And like, she starts with like hundreds and hundreds of years ago when uh, people started to really interact with animals, not just as like on farms is working things, but like how they connect for companionship. And so there's all sorts of these different stories about, you know, visually impaired individuals who have gained better independence because they have seeing eye dogs. And like uh, this woman who found new life as an equestrian champion after she had her arm amputated. Like there's this, they're really, really short stories. Kind of read just like you were talking about like short books and short stories. You've talked a lot about that over the last couple of weeks. Like, they're really good, just snippets of stuff that you can take. And they're like wonderful, feel good stories. Um, and then the last book in there is how animals, or the last story in the, in the book rather is Emma's personal story about how animals kind of change your life forever. So uh, if you follow her on Instagram, she, it's emzotic. It's like exactly how it sounds. And uh, she has ferrets and this dog and she's living with this person who has two Samoyeds and chickens. And it's like their collective life is just, the most delightful, happy thing I've ever seen. So uh, if you're an animal lover, and this is true stories for cat lovers and dog lovers and animal fans in general. So literally anyone who listens, if you're an animal person, so animal that, kind. Of really that good. sounds amazing. I have to ask though, before I read that, are there any sad stories about animals in right. it? Because I can't handle um, I will say that there is some emotional things that go on. I won't say that it, it directly involves um, the animals you know, passing or anything like that. It's just like there's like her story, the one that she ends with, like she, if you watch her on YouTube and you're familiar with her at all, you'll know that she's gone through some pretty traumatic things with relationships and all this different stuff. And like, she doesn't shy away from that, but she focuses on the positive aspects of human animal companionship. Okay. So as long as there aren't like dogs and cats dying. No, you, you won't find this book on uh, Doug, does the dog die. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Need to know. Need to check. It's going to be my most important website. That yes. I don't handle that well. Yeah. Uh, Katie, you want to keep us going? Sure. So um, again, like I said, my reading has been a little bit all over the place. Um, oddly, one of the genres that is one as a comfort genre for me are thriller and suspense um, books. I think it's probably it's, it goes along with you know studies show that people who have anxiety sometimes watching horror movies make them feel better. Um, I find that is really relatable to me as well. So I've been uh, reading a lot of like quick thrillers, so like everything by B. A. Paris. Um, but a book that I am now reading, which I'm really getting into, is Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, which I think people have probably talked about that on the before because it's a 
really popular and really good book. Um, it's from a few years ago. And um, so it's about this renowned physicist. Well, he's a physicist who uh, has like a very kind of normal life, uh, you know, a, a wife and young son. And he does, and he's a professor and he kind of asks himself sometimes what would have been or what could have been if he didn't if he had chosen to devote his life to discovering scientific breakthroughs instead of you know kind of being a family man and then one day and this is early on in the book so i'm not really spoiling anything he's abducted um, by someone wearing a mask and then is transported to another place which is um, a world that is not his own. So he's still supposedly the same person, has the same name, um, but it's it kind of explores what would have happened if his life had gone differently. And so it's, it's a combination of thriller, but then also I'd say some sci-fi in there. Um, he talks about quantum physics and quantum mechanics and the multiverse. So eventually the main character, uh, Jason, finds himself in this multiverse where he's able to see all of these different potential versions of his life, which is both really interesting but also horrifying. Um, I have to admit I got to a part where uh, it was, so he's from Chicago and he got to this version of Chicago where there's like a plague going on in the city and everyone's dying. I was like, oh, that's a little bit uh, too close to home here. Maybe this isn't a relaxing genre for me after all. But once I was able to get past that, um, I was able to still, you know, be in the story and be kind of away from reality. But it's just, it's really good because it is, it's that thriller that you can read through quickly. I'm almost done with it. And I just started it uh, two days ago. Um, and I'm normally not that quick of a reader, but it also poses a lot of questions about, you know, life and existence. And is this the life I was supposed to lead? And what would happen if I had taken this path? Um, so I'm not quite sure how it ends yet. But uh, like I said, it's really gripping, um, but also really thought provoking and a quick read. I love that book. I, he has another book, uh, too, that came out, I think, more recently. I don't remember the name of that one, but I definitely um, it Yes, it's called Recursion. I actually interviewed him last year about it. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I met him at ALA <clears throat> Midwinter, and uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed Recursion as well. Yeah, his, he just, he, like, uses science, but in a way that is very accessible, I think. Yeah, um, I'm like, oh, I feel smart reading this, yeah. even, even though I can understand it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he explores a lot of big ideas related to quantum physics, and he does it in the other one, in recursion as well, a little bit. Um, but it's it's very, yeah, it's very accessible and um, a thriller and, and easy to read. Yeah. yeah, but I love Dark Matter. I was blown away by that book. Yeah. Yeah, it came up on like a, if you like this, you would like, you know, this book list and sucked me right in. Um, I think that like that's one of those books. There's always, you know, people ask about buzzy books, but I feel like there's a second level, like there's buzzy books that get talked about all over the internet, but then there's buzzy books that like get talked about at our office relentlessly. And mm -hmm. I feel like Dark Matter was one of those, like you would just hear like snippets of conversations all yeah. along. Yeah. Like, and, th and that's when I had put it on my list was a couple of years ago when I saw, I think someone got like an advanced reader copy and, and I thought the cover looked interesting. Yeah. And it was just one of those. I filed it on my to read list and um, got to it now. 
Uh, Regis, you want to give us another one? Yeah, so I guess my next one is like uh, a book that I've been putting off for a really long time. Uh, it's 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Classic. I, and it isn't it. And I feel like everyone in college recommended it to me, and I sort of had this hipster, like, well, if all my professors are telling me to read it, I must not want to read it. And so I, I finally read it uh, last, like, December. And so now during the quarantine, I'm telling all my family to read it because I want to talk about it again. I'm revisiting parts of it, just reading excerpts and stuff. But it really is such a, a fantastic book because it's got this really cool uh, combination of like fantastical world building in this little tiny town of Macondo that grows. And then these like interpersonal relationships, these familial relationships that go down through the generations. And if you're not familiar with the book, the whole concept of the book is it follows this family, this Buendia family in this fictional realm of Macondo, which is supposedly like based off of Colombia. And the characters are constantly changing because they age out. And so you spend a hundred pages getting attached to these protagonists and then they die and their children become the protagonists. And then they grow old and their children become the protagonists. And it's a really great mirror for life that way and realizing how all of these family members share the same flaws and and continue to circle through time through the same storylines and things change slowly but surely and it's it was really just such a, a fun read because it's written so well and he uses magical realism to sort of pull these really great moments pull you into them and so that's the exact same pitch I've been giving my mom and my sister for like the last week and a half and better uh than me telling you to do it if you have five minutes go on youtube and watch the ted ed video of why you should read 100 years of solitude because that's what finally broke me down and i was like okay i can do this but it is it's just a a great book and and like i mentioned before if i'm not reading a short book or a book of poetry that i can finish quickly i want to read something that's going to wrap me up in it and and feel like i'm being transported away from the four walls of my bedroom that I've been in for the last month and a half. So have you convinced any of your family to start reading it yet? I've convinced my mom to check it out on Libby. She has it. It's in her, I think (laughs) she's started it. And my sister has my copy of it. So we'll see. I keep texting them every couple of days. I'm just, I'm picturing like college age Regis, like (laughs) why would I read this when I can read infinite jest? Like (laughs) (laughs) another book. I've been like, no way, no way. It's, it's so much fun. It's, it's such a hard book too. And now we're going to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor. With libraries, schools, and bookstores shut down, how do you keep your kids learning and growing? Books from Literati, the number one book club for kids, are the best place to start. Literati is a subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique and interesting books for your kids all by delivering great stories straight to your doorstep. So Literati actively curates stories that spark curiosity and soften the heart, which saves you hours of searching uh, the store, scrolling through lists of mediocre books online. And Literati will even beat Amazon's list prices, which is pretty, pretty cool as well. Um, You only keep your favorite books and then you send back the rest for free. And that means you're only paying for the books that your kids love. And Joe, I don't know about you, but we've been doing a lot of like delivery stuff to our house lately, whether it's groceries or um, 
wine now and then. But this has been a really cool thing to get to send to my nieces and nephews so that they can get books to get delivered right to their house. So, um, Literati is doing something really, really cool for our listeners. For a limited time, if you go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders, uh, this is the best offer that they're making available anywhere. So to get it, again, you just have to go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 20% off your first two orders. That's literati.com slash probooknerds. Jill, you want to go again? I am. I'm going to like totally shift gears here, but as a, as a preface to this, um, uh, I have a, my nephew is two, um, a little over two years old. And of course I can't see him like in person. Um, but I had this brilliant idea thinking this would also help my sister out. I've been recording myself reading picture books and like sending that to her so she can, <laughs> so he can have story time with Aunt Jill. So, um, I tried it with an iPad at first getting picture books on Libby and it was just sort of awkward holding it. Um, and I remembered I had a whole bunch of picture book advanced copies um, that I never got around to giving my sister. So yesterday I recorded myself reading Mars's First Friends, which is a picture book <laughs> about the planet Mars, um, who uh, he just wants some friends. That's all he wants. And his dad, the son, is like, you have <laughs> like seven brothers and sisters. Go hang out with one of them. Uh, but none of the other planets wants to hang out with Mars. And so <laughs> he's just like going to all the pictures. I'm not, Nobody can see this except all of you, of course. But the pictures are so cute. Oh, like, man. Look at little Mars. Hey, oh, look at his eyes. <laughs> um, my favorite. Hold on. I have to find it. Um... So yeah, so he's going to all the planets and is like, hey, be friends with me. And they're like, no, thank you, little brother. Um, Saturn has glasses. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at his nose. And a nose. <laughs> so what ends up happening is um, Earth, um, his sister Earth, decides to send rovers um, to explore Mars. And so Mars gets some friends in the form of little rovers who come and hang out. Um and play on Mars. Aww. So Mars has friends. That's <laughs> like a little pet and friends. <laughs> and it is so cute. It is unsurprisingly from Source Books, who makes the best picture books. We had talked about this before. Their picture books are so fun and um, clever and educational. And this one, I skipped this one. I was reading it to my nephew, but it has a whole page in the back that is like facts about the solar system. Um, and about Mars, and it's just, oh my god, it was so adorable. So it comes out, it comes out in June, so it's not out yet, um, but I highly recommend um, pre-ordering it if you're looking for a fun little uh, educational book about the plane that's for your child. Oh my god, Jill, that's the cutest story of all time. Ah, oh, that's so adorable. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> like, shook. I'm, uh, I'm doing something similar. My niece is uh, nine, and so my brother wanted to read her Harry Potter for the first time because Harry Potter at home and everything. And so we've been doing, uh, when she's at his house every weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, he reads to her a chapter, and then Monday nights are my nights. So I read to her and over FaceTime. And I'm using kind of the same thing like you're showing pictures to us. I'm, I'm using the illustrated version while she follows along on Libby. And um, 
man, newfound respect for Jim Dale. It is so hard to do all those character voices. Um, we did the sorting hat chapter on Monday night, and I had to sing the the sorting hat song. And oof, that is a that is a harrowing thing to try and do. Because I mean, you got to try, but it's it's been tough. But yeah, recorded that's you recording those videos might be the cutest thing I've ever heard. That's yeah, like, well, you know. Now I want to hear your version of the Sorting Hat song. Well, maybe I'm you know what? I, I agree. I think <laughs> I, I don't think you can tease us like that. Tell you what, I will. Um, I will. Make, I'll put it on like Instagram stories or something. I will. I will read it. I'll try. I'll try to stick it. Um, so my my next one. Last week I talked about the like the last couple of weeks I've talked about a biography that I really liked. Um, talked about Brian J. Jones's biographies of. Jim Henson and Dr. Seuss. And then last week I talked about The Animated Man, which is Walt Disney. And then the one I want to talk about this week is Alfred Hitchcock, A Brief Life by Peter Aykroyd, um, who I believe is Dan Aykroyd's father, I think. Um, not certain on that. Don't quote me. I'm, now that I've said it, I'm almost certainly wrong. Um, but one of the many things that I have talked about a lot is I love old movies. I've always loved old movies. And uh, when my wife and I started dating and eventually got married, um, I learned that her father adores Alfred Hitchcock and bought us like the complete set of all the Alfred Hitchcock movies. And so I've just been a really, really big fan uh, of his. And so this, it's very straightforward. It's biography about his entire life, but um, it goes into you know, all of his relationships with various actors and actresses like Grace Kelly and Cary Grant and James Stewart and all these people. Um, but yeah, it's just much like the, the Disney one that I talked about last week. Is there's a lot that had to go right in the beginning of his life, in the beginning of the, the early movies that he made. Like when you think of someone like Alfred Hitchcock or Walt Disney or Jim Henson, all these people, you think of them on a, on a whole large scale, but you don't think about the fact that like before they were Alfred Hitchcock in all capital letters, they were a person trying to learn how to make films and, um, and all the like stuff in his childhood that led to all the creepy things that he wanted to shoot. So really, really interesting stuff. Um, and yeah, that's, like I said, Alfred Hitchcock, A Brief Life by Peter Aykroyd, who may or may not be related to Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> uh, Katie, you want to go again? Sure. So kind of keeping, going back to that theme of sometimes you need to save things uh, for the right time. Here's one that came up for me that I didn't know it existed and I'm like shaming myself for not knowing, but so my favorite music journalist is Rob Sheffield. He wrote like Love is a Mixtape, Turn Around Bright Eyes, um, talking to girls about Duran Duran. He was a writer for Rolling Stone. I think he still um, writes for them from time to time just like one of my favorite music journalists and somehow I missed that he wrote a book about the Beatles a few years ago so my favorite music journalist writing about one of my favorite bands um, it's called Dreaming the Beatles the love story of one band and the whole world another thing I love field is that he always uses like a main title and subtitle which he just <laughs> is really brilliant that way like turn around bright eyes is mm -hmm. the rituals of love is then colon the rituals of love and karaoke or talking to girls about duran duran colon one man's quest for love and the perfect haircut so just brilliant um and so he takes a different approach on the beatles rather than telling like a story about them as a band or even them as people um 
he's really more interested in what happened after the Beatles broke up and the Beatles relationship with the world in a post Beatles being together uh, universe. So really what the Beatles mean to people like on an individual level and how we kind of have this collective love for this band that hasn't actually been together for a really long time, but how they continued to have like number one hits and and record sales and everything way past the time that they you know were actually a band so it's a series of essays that he wrote kind of examining that and he talks about like your own personal Beatles versus the collective Beatles and um, so again just taking like a different more personal and also very witty and you know fun and heartwarming spin on one of the most uh, cherished of all time and one theme that he keeps returning to is how like at the end of the day the thing that kept bringing the Beatles together was or the thing the like common language that the four of them had with each other was girls and how they like to be singing to the screaming girl and how we all are essentially still screaming girls who love the Beatles. That's crazy that the Beatles are still so popular, so marketable. Like I have a, a 16 year old cousin and she's just listening to the Beatles nonstop right now. Yeah. And that's a lot of what he talks about is like, you know, he grew up, he, er, he was born, you know, a de- at least a decade after the Beatles had broken up. Um, and, but they were still such a defining band for him in his childhood and his adulthood and for me too I mean um, and for so many of us it was just an an interesting perspective and he talked about how the Beatles won so their anthology that I think came out in 99 or like one of the best-selling records of all time and again that came out like 50 years after I guess not that long but 40 years 40 plus years after they had broken up Um, so yeah just a, a fascinating I refer to him as my like rock journalist soulmate. I just feel like all of the references that he makes and they, you know, he peppers in like little quotes from lyrics. He's all on. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I love his writing and would recommend it to anyone who's interested in pop culture, pop music. Um, again, some of his other books are, you know, not focused on one specific band, but are more about, uh, you know, how we as people, relate to music and how music impacts our lives like love is a mixtape is I also highly recommend that that was his first memoir about um he was uh married to like the love of his life and she died very suddenly very young and it's uh kind of about him dealing with that so that's a heavier subject but of course still uh you know he he's still a very you know lovable person and you know kind of it's still an uplifting story about the power of music in our lives. So that's always, um, you know, part of what he's writing about. Nice. Sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear this, but one of my dogs is snoring extremely loudly because he is dreaming <laughs> right now. And, like, he's doing the, like, paw running thing next to me, and he won't stop. So <laughs> trying to get him to stop snoring. That's adorable. Yeah, it's cute. But also, I'm like, buddy, come on. Let's, let's well, I can't hear anything, so I don't know if anyone else can. But. Okay. Uh, Regis, you want to do another one? Yeah, sure. I'll stick with the uh, the nonfiction theme right now. Uh, so I just finished uh, Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston, which came out a couple years ago. But it was really interesting because it was uh, originally written in 1927, right? And Zora Neale Hurston is long since dead. 
And so it, this book came out and I didn't know what it was about, but I checked it out and uh, I just got to it a few weeks ago. And it is the story of the last uh, remaining uh, uh, African person that came from uh, this, came across the Atlantic Ocean in the slave trade. So she found him in 1927 living in, I believe, Alabama and uh, interviewed him and interviewed him over the course of several months. And she went to publish this book. But if you've you know, read any of her other books, Their Eyes Were Watching God or Of Mules and Men, anything like that, she writes in uh, dialect. So she writes the phonetic uh, uh, dialect of the African-American South. And so she wrote the book in that she wrote his his interview basically verbatim and as he spoke and the her publisher said no we can't publish this you need to change it you need to uh you need to make it more readable for general audiences and she said no so it never got published and then you know 90 years later basically the book comes out and it was just such an interesting story to hear in this man named uh cujo lewis in his own words basically what he remembers from growing up uh, in Western Africa, what he remembers of being taken prisoner, sold into slavery, crossing the Atlantic Ocean in the 1850s. And then obviously he was only uh, in slavery in America for a few years before the Civil War. And so then the rest of his story is more or less his life. And what was that you know, period of time like for him as not only an African-American being freed, you know, but a true African who was just recently ripped from his culture. And it sounds really heavy and it sounds, you know, uh, like it would be really difficult to read and at times it is, but it's so interesting because Zora just has this ability to to put some levity in there and to, to include humor and to discuss, you know, what she was doing with him while they were both talking about this. And at this time he's like 90 something. Um, and so just a really, really a good read uh, and only like 150 pages, really short too, to be able to get through. And, and it's just a unique experience. So I really like that book. I'll read anything Zora uh, Neil Hurston writes, but um, this was a really interesting one to see because of its like 90 year separation from the time that it was written. Yeah, the book is incredible. I love that. I loved it so much. Like you said, it, she writes in the dialect and it don't let that like scare you from it though. It's not like overly challenging to get you into the, the mm -hmm. rhythm and the flow of how he speaks. Yeah, it's such a good book. Um, Jill, you got another one? I do. Um, so this is what I've just started. Um, so I'm not very far into it, but listeners and Adam knows that my absolute favorite genre of book is murder at an educational institution that involves <laughs> a close knit group of suspicious characters. That's what I especially love. <laughs> I'm already very intrigued. So. <laughs> okay. So this is sort of tangentially related to that. What I really, really love are secret societies at educational institutions. And so I have started to read Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, mm. which um, I had not read when it first came out, mostly because the wait list was so long. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I don't have time for this. Um, and I, uh, so um, it is about um, a freshman at Yale named Alex, who has sort of gotten herself into a unique situation where she is kind of in charge of like spying and monitoring Yale's secret societies. Um, and of course, things are not as they appear. Um, I'm 
really excited about this. I, I love Lee Bardugo's books. And I mean, you got murder at an Ivy League with secret societies. I mean, what is not to love about that? Um, I will say it's also a ghost story, which is that, I love, that it's really, really good. I will say trigger warning for violence against women. I'm um, aware of that. Yes. Yeah, I, I know you are just oh, in general. I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's it's such a such a good book. Um, speaking of kind of out there darkish books, Jill, I think this is your favorite Chuck Palahniuk book to rant. Oh yeah! Oh my God! I love that book. <gasps> that yeah. would have fit for the non the on the formatted books one. I yeah. didn't even think about it. Didn't I'm, think about it either. I'm mad at myself now. That's okay. We I mean we talk about it now. So rant by Chuck Palahniuk. Um, Chuck Palahniuk wrote Fight Club, which is the one he's most known for. But I mean he's written a ton of things. Haunted, which is just the most like, skin crawling book ever. Um, he has so many fantastic books, but I think Rant is the best one. Uh, it's an oral history, but it's an, it's an oral biography of this fictional character named Buster Casey. And it takes place after Buster Casey's death. And it's an assortment of all of his friends and his enemies and people that were obsessed with him and people that hated him. And they talk about this ridiculously wild character who may, who might be the most like efficient serial killer of all time. Um, again, this is fictional. I want to focus on that. Um, but he, man, I'm trying to describe this book. So he was this high school like rebel and he created this like kind of cult of people and they would do this urban demolition derby that they called party mm-hmm. bashing. And you would literally like people who were playing would put stuff on their cars like garbage basically. Like tin it was like there were themes. Yeah, they're like themed nights. Yeah. Yeah. And then like they would go all around town trying to crash into each other. And um, there's all of this is going on. He's kind of like creating this cult and he has these really, really close friends. Um, But he also may or may not have infected like thousands and thousands of people with his saliva, which may or may not have led to this massive urban plague of rabies. It's just, the book is so wild. And as you're like peeling back and back and back, you're like, what is going on? What is the time frame of this book? Um, but it's just, I actually read this before I read Fight Club and I remember being like, who is this author? And then I read Fight Club and then I read Choke and he's just, Chuck Palahniuk writes these books that like make your skin crawl and make you irritated, but also make you laugh. And like, it's, he's a wild, wild writer. So like I said, I know a lot of people have read Fight Club and even more have seen Fight Club. Um, but if you have never read Rant, definitely check it out. And like Jill said, it would work for our non-traditionally formatted book challenge of our Professional Book Nerds Challenge. I'm so mad I didn't think of that. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. Like I said, I was like going to like old, old books that I've read. And I was like, oh, this is... Oh, I love that book. I love Rant so much. Yeah, it's like, because you have these... The society, because of the rabies, it's sort of broken up into like daytime people. And... Who go out in the daytime and then there's the people who go out at night and there's like two like a class system oh my god it's there's so and yeah it's, as you get more into it and sort of exactly who rant is and what he did it's there's some twists and turns there sure are yeah um all right let's do like a little mini rapid fire like we can each let's each do one more just kind of really quickly because we're going a little long which is what we usually do now on these recordings because this is the only time i talk to people that aren't my wife or my dogs <laughs> Um, so Katie, do you want to do one more real quick? 
Sure. Recently, Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. Um, she's a blogger, British, and it's about romantic love here and there, but it's also really at the end of the day about um, the love she has for her best girlfriends in her life. So it was just, you know, nice to to see that aspect. And there's this moment where she's reflecting on her relationship with her best friend, Farley. They've been really good friends since like middle school and they're about to turn 31 and she's talking about how they celebrated their 13th birthday together and now they're about to celebrate their 31st birthday together and it just reminded me of me and uh, one of my best friends too so again just there's some of course dark moments in her life and she struggles with issues but having that female empowerment of you know best friends and how they're there for you kind of throughout many stages in your life and relationships was a, a positive message and she it's also very funny so. nice uh reed just gonna do one more sure just real quick uh on earth they're briefly gorgeous by ocean vuong i don't know if you guys have talked about that before I don't know that we have, but but the book is phenomenal, so by all means. It's so good, and Ocean Vuong was known uh, as a poet first, and he was, you know, uh, really well-respected for his first book of poetry, so he kind of threw everyone a curveball by writing a novel as his uh, follow-up book, and it's just fantastic. It sort of is a fictionalized version of his life, and so it follows the main character, Little Dog, and his relationship with his mother, which is contentious to say the least and sort of their story of being uh, Vietnamese immigrants growing up in America and then it sort of starts to deal with he and his sexuality and how that plays a part in his relationship with his mother and it's just beautifully written throughout uh, and then as it sort of gets into the third part or the third act you realize that he's also at the same time writing about the opioid epidemic going through America so there's just so much caught up in this book and you find yourself just consuming it really quickly. So uh, a great book and one of those ones that's just fun to read because it's so well-written. Jill, you got one more? I do. So um, this is an advanced copy of a book I got and so it doesn't come out till October, fair warning, but it is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I interviewed Matt a couple of years ago about how to stop time. Um, I'm so excited about this one. So this is about a library where every book um, is sort of a different path that your life could have taken. And um, you can like go in and explore these like, different... Oh my God. Yeah. Right. So... Um, that sounds awesome. It sounds like a happier version of Dark Matter. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> I'm not, I can't guarantee that part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no guarantee on that. So... Okay. That is the, uh, the, the Midnight Library. Um, and so it's about Nora who, you know, has choices she can make about, um, I guess, basically like what book she wants to read about her life and how it could have turned out, so. That sounds incredible. Right, I saw that pop up and I was like, yes, please, I will take an advanced copy of that. Oh man, all right. My last one is A History of the World in 10 and a Half Chapters by Julian Barnes. Uh, Julian Barnes has written a ton of books, including one that I think might have my favorite title of a book ever, which is Flaubert's Parrot, which is fun to say. Um, a History of the World in Ten and a Half Chapters is a bunch of really, really funny, uh, like, revisionist accounts of different things that have happened in the past, like uh, a story narrated about Noah's Ark by a passenger who doesn't appear in the uh, in the Bible, and um, a, like, a a trial of woodworms that are being blamed for blasphemy in 16th century France and 
Um, there's a story about a ship that gets, like a cruise ship that gets hijacked by terrorists. And like, it's just really weird and funny and it will make you laugh and like shake your head a lot. So if you need something kind of light, and again, if you want to like take stuff like little tiny snippets, uh, A History of the World in Ten and a Half Chapters by Julian Barnes is a fabulous thing. So, um, all right, that was a bunch of recommendations. This is really, really fun. I feel like I always look down at the clock and like time is this the one hour of the week when time goes faster for me when I'm like talking with all of our friends about books. Um, Jill, is there anything else that we need to bring up? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, Regis, Katie, thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. This yeah, was a lot of fun. So. Absolutely. All right. And I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.